0: Welcome back to the show. Today we have Robin Toombs. He's the co-founder and CEO of Yoti. Robin, welcome to the show. Hi Kevin. I'm really excited to have you on the show. I think what you guys are doing at Yoti is actually really really innovative and cool. And selfishly, I've actually been looking for something like this for myself for a number of years because I I hate carrying around a bunch of cards and passports and, and a bunch of stuff but before we get into all that stuff let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up okay well I, I
1: was born in London okay And I went to school in in London here in the UK what did you take and why okay so I uh I guess my favorite subject at school was economics okay um always been interested in current affairs and business and how economics kind of works and you know shapes the world and uh, so i did that at school and also did it uh, down at university along with a, a bit of you know wasn't great at footy but like
0: playing uh, but okay. economics was the main main kind of study for me got you okay very cool so you get out of university walk me through your career maybe some career highlights along the way up until what you're doing now because you've done a ton of stuff
1: Okay, well, so yeah, actually the first thing I did when I walked out of university was I went um, and actually taught in a primary school in um, South Africa, in a, in a okay. rural area, um, and did that for about six months, actually, really interesting, you know, out in sure. a very rural area, lots of the kids used to have to walk a long way to get to the school, and okay. it was all all kind of, you know, um, literally six-year-olds up to 17-year-olds all in the same primary school until until you passed your primary school exam. Uh, you stayed in that school. And, you know, if you were busy working as a 15, 16-year-old, uh, you know, black, you know, uh, guy, then it was really difficult to pass your exams because you were busy working half of the week. So um, that was quite an eye-opener uh, sure. for me, but I really enjoyed it. Um, and then I came back and thought i've got to get a uh, kind of job i went and applied to a company called price waterhouse coopers okay, which was so- um, an accounting firm and they, they gave me a pretty good grasp of how finance works and how some of the big businesses that they used to audit and advise kind of worked and that was interesting but i always had a, a kind of desire to um to do my own um, you know, kind of thing. I, I wasn't sure whether I had all of the skills I needed to be an entrepreneur, but I was always keen to uh, think that I'd like to work for a for a, a business that I was part an owner in rather than um, just work for somebody else. And luckily enough, met a very talented uh, person when I was, let's see, 27, 28. So uh, okay. this was going back to 1997. Yeah. And uh, we started doing some web business together.
0: Okay, very cool. So you you do that for a while. Walk us through the rest of your journey up until what you guys are doing at uh, Yoti. And how did that come okay.
1: to be? Okay, so so I joined my co-founder, Noel, who actually is also one of my two co-founders of Yoti. Um, joined nice. him in 1997. Okay. And so I left PwC, much to their um, surprise. I'd just made manager and said that I was going to... Off and work with a guy who was working out of the uh, you know, the, uh, the room of other hairdressers in Wimbledon, uh, an area of London, and sure. um, yes, we, you know, they, they thought that was very odd. Um, and six months later, I was completely broke uh, along with okay. Noel, uh, working in this startup doing web web uh, development. And we kind of recognized that, yikes, you know, this is really really difficult, uh, we're up against. Lots and lots of people who are also pitching for beers and they're saying that they can knock up a website for you know a few hundred dollars, and we're trying to do it properly for three or four times that price. Sure. But it's very difficult to convince people back in 1997 that that's genuinely uh, you know a different quality of site that you're offering. So sure. that made it very really tough for us, and we you know literally I remember the last time my bank card worked. Uh, before that went back <laughs> into the hole in the wall, and I was left with uh, with no, no money to withdraw. So that was pretty tough. My my girlfriend, uh, now my wife, very fortunately, used to lend me about five five pounds. That's about seven or eight dollars a day to okay. uh, to kind of you know to get to work and buy some chips at lunch and stuff. So that that was a bit of a um, sobering time for me and Noel, and certainly focused our attention on. Trying to make sure we started uh, making a, a better success of the business, okay so uh, we started developing some of our own games in that business, so actually okay. developing some of our own intellectual property and uh, those games started to become you know quite popular uh, so this is early days in the web, lots sure. of people started playing some of our quiz games and other kind of arcade games, okay. and uh, because of that we were we basically uh, our business was bought or you know an offer was made on our business and we decided to accept those uh, terms and we worked for that business for a period of time not very long but um, long enough to kind of work out that we wanted to do our own business again and that we would like to do it in the online bingo Sector so we knew that quite a few of the businesses who were wanting to advertise on our free-to-play games were online gambling uh, Businesses okay. and that market actually looked pretty saturated back even in 1999 2000 there were a lot of um, online casinos um, you know in, in Countries and yep. we thought well, you know, not very smart to just to add another casino. What we'll do is we'll um, create an online bingo site because in britain bingo's very popular uh okay. with you know mainly the female um audience and nobody was offering that and we thought we could make it quite social for okay. the player and very early on, so man. what we did we, yeah so we so, so what we did is we created that site so we left um the business for the, bought us and we okay. started a company called gamesys and gamesys okay. has now become a very big popular business but what we did which was quite unique was we um, let lots and lots of people play our bingo games but during the games we also had um, a chat kind of facility so way back in kind of 1999-2000 we were letting people chat on our games and then we would also have breaks where we would then have a chat host play some games with uh, the players so they might you know ask one of the players to draw a car literally with their mouse and that would appear on screen okay. and then the other players would have to guess what it was and the first person they guessed would you know get a round of applause and you know some well dones and also maybe a couple more bingo cards and to be honest it it was very clear to us that actually you could make the web a very social place um, if you go into an online bingo hall in, in the UK, Kevin, you'll find that nobody speaks during the game because they have to mark the card off. As the numbers are called out, you've really got to be focused on marking your card um, okay. because your numbers are being called. Sure. Um, otherwise, you won't get the bingo. Whereas online, you can get the computer to mark your card which allows you to have more time to spend focusing on saying hello to your friends, meeting new friends, having a good chat. And that became incredibly popular here in the UK. And, you know, GameSys became a very uh, successful business. And we we actually understood back in 2001 when we started that business that, you know, online identity was a problem. So obviously we had to check that people were over 18 to play our games and The normal way to do that is to enter uh, your name, your date of birth and address. So that the the business can then check that off to a, uh, you know, a third party database. So like an Equifax or a a LexisNexis. But what we very quickly worked out was just because somebody puts a name, date of birth and address in a website, it does not necessarily mean that that's who is at the computer. It just means that they know that information and a fraudster may well deliberately use somebody else's genuine information sure. to make sure that when you do the check, the check will kind of match against the database.
0: Right. And therefore you
1: have a false illusion that you have, you know, Robin Toombs on your site when actually it's a fraudster pretending to be Robin Toombs. And it's very difficult to stop that. So we always knew one day that, you know, somebody's going to have to fix that on the web but back in 2001 we were pretty busy doing our online bingo and we just kept watching each kind of year and you know after about 10 years we thought you know it's still a real problem on the web (laughs) and uh you know it's obviously a difficult problem otherwise somebody would have solved it by now and you know that that led eventually to us uh, deciding to to create
0: Yoti okay so I I think you just kind of briefly covered it but what exactly is, Yoti, and uh, walk us through actually deciding to build the thing, and how has it kind of grown over the last few years? Because obviously, version one probably looks quite different than what you have today. or Is, is that fair to say?
1: Sure. Yeah, it definitely is. So, so it, as I say, you know, for 10, 12 years, we always thought that, that online identity system doesn't work at all well, sure. Uh, apart from if you're a fraudster. Um and in two thousand and fourteen, very early in the year, I, I had a um one of my co-founders, Duncan Francis, okay. um, I'd invested in a business of his, Noel and I had invested in his um event management software business. So he was doing okay. some really clever stuff with a company called Spartan Race. Um okay. so if you don't know Spartan Race, they're the guys who basically you go you go to a usually a very nice setting uh, anywhere around the world and you do a kind of 5,000 meter run sure. and you, you might actually have some obstacles in the race and you, you know, you might literally jump through a little bit of fire. Um, you might, you know, go through a little bit of mud, uh, climb a bit of a climbing wall. And it's just a much more fun social kind of event and it's out in the open air and particularly in America where it's nice and sunny. Um, it's a really good time. But what we noticed was that, um, you know, there was a really, really big queue. At the start of the day, you've got literally 10,000 people on the run um, and they all drive into, you know, a nice kind of mountain, uh, you know, lake and they park up and then everybody queues and they queue for registration, they queue effectively to sign their uh, injury waiver forms. And to do that, the the site for insurance purposes, purposes has to make sure that the person signing the injury waiver form is genuinely that person. So they basically ask you to bring your passport or your driving license or your state ID. Okay. And they then watch you sign. Then they look at the national you know, driving license or the state driving license. And they check your face, check your signature, and then say, thanks very much. You can go and queue in the drop." now (laughs) so that's your last cue luckily in the sun where i was out in temakula um in california it it was nice and sunny and i thought okay well you know those cues need to be fixed but at least it's sunny i went to watch the same kind of event a couple of months later here in uh, london just south of london and it was raining and pretty cold Okay. And uh, that was a fairly miserable first start to the day for a lot of the people. They still enjoyed the actual run, but a lot of the spectators waiting for them and whatever. It was just not, not a fun experience. So sure. Duncan and I came away from those two events and said, you know, we really should try and crack this online identity um space nobody seems to be doing it yet very well and you know we looked at the technology and thought well smartphones you know it's kind of february 2014 so smartphones are getting increasingly popular sure. uh, lower cost the cameras are getting better the biometrics are getting better they're not there yet in terms of face recognition but they're clearly getting better at that and then we were very lucky. My, my brother actually saw on a, um, the passport office's website here in the UK for okay. literally about one week in February 2014, um, they issued a little blog which said, you know, you might be interested to know that you can read the chip in a passport using an Android phone. So my oh, brother passed that to me and I said, that's, really kind of interesting I thought you could only do that um, at the border probably with some special cryptography keys to to kind of do that but actually we looked into it and it is a IKO standard so you know kind of uh, an international standard and you can't read all of the passport information but you can critically read um, in the chip the biographic information. So your name, your date of birth, your nationality, and you can also read uh, or, or capture the picture. And obviously you need the consent of the passport owner to do this because they would need to do it with their Android phone. But it made us think, hang on, we've got all of the possible ingredients here to create a consumer digital identity if people you know, think that that's a really useful um, you know, thing to have. And therefore, we thought, let's go out and speak to some people and see how they might want to use digital ID and whether they would want to actually own a digital ID.
0: Very cool. So there's a unique story around the name. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. So, you know, it's a consumer
1: app. And we always thought it's very important for us to, you know, ensure that we do this as a consumer Um, application so what I mean by that is you know if you go today to a lot of websites they may well have asked you to fill in a form or they may ask you to basically um, you know scan a driving license or um, you know take a picture of your face and then scan a document and the the companies who are supplying that technology um, it's it's what we call a business-to-business um, you know, kind of service. So they're effectively supplying technology to a brand and the customer is engaging with brand and may not be aware that the actual technology to do that piece of the onboarding is supplied by another business. And we kind of thought, well, that doesn't really, really, you know, interest us as a business model because as we spoke to more and more uh, people, they mainly said to us, look, ideally I'd like to own my identity online i'd like to obviously make sure it's really secure so that nobody else can use it and i really want it to be my own identity and that gave us the kind of you know thinking for the brand name so actually yoti does stand for your own trusted identity but we were very keen not to have a kind of english worded um brand which because we wanted yoti to be a global brand and we wanted people in asia and africa and all around the world to kind of not think that this was you know coming out of one particular country whether it be england or the states or canada or wherever sure. we wanted them to think no this is a nice easy name to say um and it doesn't sound definitely as if it's coming from one country yeah. and um yeah nice and international And, um, you know, so a lot of people said to us, well, we really want our own passports. The analogy I always give to people is that, you know, if you've got your own passport, you know, you want to go to as many countries as possible where they accept your passport. And the more countries that do so, the easier life is. If I have to go and get a visa... Yeah. Um, before I go on my travels. It's a pain. I've got to disclose lots of info and, you know, I've got to go back and pick it all up. And you know it's very particular to that country. It doesn't help me get into any other countries. It's just a really bad way of doing it. And that's, sure. you know, the analogy I give for how we get into websites but you know, Each website tells me exactly what I've got to fill in and it's useless to use anywhere else. And then obviously Facebook, you know, Connect came along and that's a good idea in terms of, okay, I can now get into, you know, lots of sites with just one, um, you know, kind of username and password. But, you know, in the passport analogy, you really want to have one digital identity and you want lots of businesses to accept that. Obviously, they need to really trust that it is a good level of, identification to make sure it really is Robin Toomes who's interacting with them but if you can do that then you've got a really efficient way for businesses to accept me and for me to easily give them what they need without giving them copies of my passports every time and giving them my passport number and expiry date you know I don't really want lots of websites to have my photo ID inside their databases hackers are pretty good at getting into sure. databases and
0: taking those crown jewels away with them to do bad things sure so let's maybe dive a little bit deeper into that security side of thing that you just mentioned because w- how do you guys handle it to make sure people don't get access to my data
1: that's a really good question it took us a long time to think through so we started as i say with lots and lots of people saying to us ideally we would own our identity yeah and it would be private we wouldn't be kind of tracked and it would be completely secure now those are all very nice ideals but when you actually take them away and work out well could i do that so it's taken us two or three years of technical team and time to kind of go through how to design a system which meets all of those um you know ideals but actually is also practical to build and practical to use and i think the key the key technical bits to the Yoti system are that when you basically create your yoti and you do that by effectively um using your um face so you basically enter a mobile phone number into um, yoti so you download the app you enter your phone number you then enter a five-digit pin and you do that twice uh, to make sure it it is the correct pin that you're putting in. And then you basically do a liveness video, and you just say three random words to us to make sure that we can see your face and see you're saying these words that you you, you wouldn't otherwise know uh, that you needed to say. Okay. That gives us confidence that it really is you in front of your phone. And then you can add your photo ID, and your photo ID is either your passport or your state ID so for instance in america we'll check the state id or the driving license to the american uh, motor vehicles uh, database uh, to make sure it's a valid id and once we've done that we basically issue a key onto your effectively onto your phone it's the kind of secure area of your phone and we do not keep a copy of that key and that's highly unusual because Effectively, what it means is that we have no key to get into your uh, data. So if you put your photo ID into Yoti, we don't keep a key, even if it might be helpful for you one day if you lost your phone, we don't keep a spare key. And that's crucial because we don't want anybody in Yoti or anybody else in the world getting into your data. Sure. But it's obviously a massive issue. Most people wouldn't do that because people lose their phones. Right. And if the key's only on your phone, then you can't ever let that person back into their account. And that right. normally would be you know, pretty drastic. So we had to work out how do we basically make sure that we don't let hackers into your account by only putting that key on your phone but if you lose your phone how do we make sure that you can get back into your account because you might have had your yoti for one or two or three years and there might be quite a lot of valuable things on there and you don't want to have to create a new account uh, if you lose your phone so we had to work that one through it doesn't sound as i explain it to you now as if it should have taken as long as it as it took us to, to work out but actually it is it is quite yeah, um, complicated. complicated to get through <laughs> to, the, to where we got to. So we effectively give you also a recovery file. Okay. And you choose to basically download the recovery file. It's just the click of a button okay. into your iCloud account or your Google Drive, depending on whether you've got an iPhone or a, a, an Android phone. Gotcha. And that recovery file, hopefully you never need it again in life. But if That's you right. lose your phone or you buy a new phone. You can then download the app again, and you can cr- hit the recovery account button rather than create new account, mm. And then it will say, well, we'd like permission to, get, uh, to see whether you have a recovery file on your iCloud or Google Drive account. And if you allow us to have a look for that, we can find that recovery file. Now that recovery file doesn't allow you into any account. But it does allow us to then ask you to give us, um, you know, a a, a liveness test. So you have your face again and your photo ID. And we then check those two things against one account in the database Ah. because the recovery file only points at one account. And as long as it really is you and it's your unique photo ID, you can only put photo ID on one account in Yoti. You can't share... Uh, photo IDs obviously across accounts then you can get back into your account and if you haven't kept a recovery file you'll never get back into that account you'll have to create a new yoti and effectively um, have your document released from your old yoti by proving that you still own your document and your face obviously and then we'll release your old photo id so that you can put it on a new account so that was a painful amount of time to work out how to do that and also make it relatively easy for people to, uh, to, to, to kind of do.
0: Yeah, I, I think the thing that people don't realize is the easier software is for the user, though the, there's a huge amount of work that goes in from design and development to make it <laughs> easier for the user, where if, if you have a terrible user experience, it was usually a lot quicker to build.
1: yeah that's right and i I think it's always frustratingly for you know i'm a user as much as anyone and you always as a user on a phone want a nice easy experience but if you want really really good security yeah making it very secure and making it very easy and not having to try and explain too much of why you're doing x and y either to make sure the fraudster doesn't know what you're doing or to you know not bamboozle the user with too much kind of technical explanation. That's a really hard balance to get right. And if you get it too wrong, nobody will use your app. And if you kind of get it not overly secure, because nothing should be overly secure, but if you kind of make it too complicated, then nobody will use the app either. So you know, very difficult commercially to strike that balance. And I think that's why ID's been one of the too hard to do, um, you know, things that people have kind of put off until until later. And then the last bit, Kevin, about technology, which I think is really important is that when you basically do put your photo ID onto Yoti, every one of those, what we call attributes, so your given name, your last name, your date of birth, your nationality, your passport number, whatever it is, Every one of those is individually encrypted. And then these keys to each one of those attributes, you, they're assigned different keys. Okay. And you get a copy of the keys basically onto your phone. Okay. And then effectively, if you want to ever get into your attributes, you've got to use your phone and your biometrics on your phone yeah. to unlock just your attributes. And you can choose which ones you want to unlock once you're into your account. But if we ever gave our databases to a you know, professional hacker or a you know, state um, you know, doing that type of thing, sure. they would, after a long, long time, they would de-encrypt um, the information. But with Yoti, they wouldn't get any value whatsoever because they would spend years unencrypting un- the data. And then right. we would go, okay, we've got the name Robin, we've got a date of birth from somebody, we've got a nationality, but none of this is linked. And the only way you can link it is to go off and find people, sure. find out whether they might have Yoti on their phone. That's not very easy. Um, you know, you need to go and ask them, do you use Yoti? And if they say yes, then you need to steal their phone, hopefully without them seeing. And then you need to hack into their phone, get into the encrypted area, unencrypt the keys, and then use their biometrics and then get in to uh, do things. And, That clearly isn't what a hacker would like to do. That's an expensive, high-risk thing to do. What hackers want to do is get into one database with one key and get into you know, 500 million uh, Marriott details at once, which is why that doesn't go down well.
0: No, and and to be honest, it's probably easier just to actually steal your physical passport at that point than uh, trying to go through that whole process you just outlined. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So of course it's made it difficult for us because sure, effectively yeah. once once you're on Yoti Kevin if you have a Yoti after we've checked that you match your face to your photo ID after that you're completely dark to us because we kind of worked out that look that's the safest way if we don't have keys we don't know who anyone is we can kind of and we can understand groups of people so we can understand that there might be a lot of uk mobile phone num- number of people using yoti but sure. we don't know who is using yoti and if you kevin wanted to share your name with a insurance company uh, yeah. and give them comfort that it's been verified to your uh, driving license sure. we would know that a name has been transferred by somebody to that insurance company, and we would you know, uh, charge them a small fee for that beneficial, verified information. Gotcha. But we wouldn't know it was Kevin. So we can't track you, we can't exploit your data and sell it on to lots of people without your knowledge. The only person who chooses ever to use their data in Yoti is you, if okay. you want to. And if you don't want to, nobody else is ever going to use it.
0: No, that that's interesting. That was going to be my next question to you. You just touched on it. Is how do you guys monetize the platform?
1: So yeah, the monetization. So back going back to our online bingo business, we kind of thought mm, that's really intriguing. We're sending a lot of names, dates of birth, and addresses to people. We're paying them a fee to sure. match that against the electoral roll or the voter registration information or the uh, the driving license database or whatever it might be. Um, so, obviously, you pay a fee for that, and quite often you get a match in some countries, and quite often you don't get a match. You know, there might be misspellings in the web sure. form, or the actual database might have a misspelling in it. So, you get a whole, whole load of what we call mismatches. Well, you still pay for mismatches. We, we learned very uh, quickly that, oh, <laughs> this hmm. is intriguing. We, we've got to pay regardless of whether they match or mismatch, and, right. um, you know, it's quite expensive. And If we can deliver a system which gives you a hundred percent confidence, so anybody obviously transferring information with Yoti You're definitely not going to get a mismatch You're definitely getting Robin Toomb's verified to passport name Coming across because the person's using Yoti to do it sure. and that's really good for the business and we charge less than, um, you know, uh, competitors who basically charge for checking against databases. Instead we say, we don't need to charge too much because for instance, you, Kevin, have done, you know, half of the work or three quarters of the work of onboarding. We, our software can handle scaling uh, as more and more people come into the system and sure. therefore we don't need to charge businesses very much per per time that they do it. And we only charge once. If, if, if you need to sign up to an insurance company, yeah. you share your verified details and if you then return just to log in with multi-factor authentication, well, you know, you don't have to share your details again. You're just sharing that one kind of um, special encrypted um password effectively between your yoti and that insurance company and you don't actually have to remember what the password is it's a cryptographic um identifier just for that insurance company and your yoti and if you go to another site it's a completely different um cryptographic identifier so um, it's a nice secure system you don't have to remember passwords we charge small fees and the business is happy and the consumer's happy
0: no, it makes total sense. So I'm curious to dive a little bit deeper into how's the industry changing? Because I think in a lot of cases, uh, Apple with Apple Pay and, and Google with uh, Google Pay really started opening people's eyes to putting some of the stuff that they would never put in their phone, basically mainstream. I think, a lot of people like tech people or, or maybe nerds, which I would put myself in that category, were doing it or wanted to do it. But I think nowadays it's become a lot more mainstream. So how has you seen the industry change and what's your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I think that's, that's a big, big um, change that's happened in the last few years. The, the confidence for people to believe that there are some brands who are able to give them high utility but are trustworthy to basically put um, some very precious information, your credit card, um, into a phone uh, with confidence that hopefully the the tokenization solution, um, which then allows that information to allow you to pay at different sites without necessarily those sites having to actually then keep a copy of your credit card in their systems, which obviously is vulnerable to hacking, is a big, big change. And I think that's what we're going to see in our particular part of the uh, industry so in id a lot of it has been about putting in you know lots and lots of knowledge and you know if you really want high identification in the last few years you've had to put a lot of knowledge into the system right. and you've had to answer lots of questions um to make sure it's likely to be you under the assumption that only you, hopefully, should know all of the info about, you know, what your passport number is, what your driving license expiry date is, all of that kind of stuff. But there's been so much hacking in the last few years that actually most of that information is kind of out there now. So, you know, just two examples from me. So, you know, Equifax, you know, lost 143 million records, um, you know, 18 months ago or so, and you know, uh, so my information will have been in there. And, you know, I use Marriott as a hotel and, you know, they lost um, hundreds of millions of records as well. So I can never get that data back in a way. You know, I can't kind of, you know, capture it all again, make sure that it's not out on the dark web and nobody's ever using my name. I'm clearly not going to change my name uh, because, you know, that's going to get hacked later. So changing names is not going to work. Changing passport numbers would probably help. But, you know, it's expensive to change your passport. So the only way um, I'm ever really going to be able to solve that, and I think this is the trend which is not that well understood today, but it's increasingly becoming clear that this will be the way that it works, is I'm going to have to basically get myself a digital identity, and I'm going to have yeah. to reclaim this information tied to my biometrics on my unique phone, which I keep pretty preciously on my person uh, you know, 24 hours a day. Sure, and you know at that point it then actually becomes quite difficult for fraudsters because the websites which are too casual and you know don't want any friction they'll continue to let the fraudster put my details in because they found them on the dark web uh, sure. but any of the businesses who go well you know that really isn't very clever we should accept the digital ids as long as we think they're good credible ones and they haven't been hacked themselves and those ones which are robust and secure that's going to become very valuable both to the consumer who owns that digital identity and also to the businesses because the business will be able to look and go well look that person shared their name and their date of birth and they've been on yoti for five years because they also shared that evidence that they've been on yoti for five years well it's highly unlikely that they're a fraudster if they've shared their real name tied to their passport And they've been on the system for five years and they've done lots of transactions. So it's a very, very different way of how you prove ID online. And it's going to become by far the easiest way to do it and the hardest way for a hacker to try and do it in your place because they've got to get your passport. And if your passport's already on the system, that passport won't be allowed on another Yoti. So, you know, my advice, get, get your passport, get onto Yoti, make sure nobody else, you know, tries to pretend to be you uh, on Yoti. But they would have to match your face, obviously. So, you know, don't worry. You, you haven't got to rush out today and, and definitely sign up.
0: Sure. So have you guys had any pushback from companies using uh, Yoti to actually identify people? Or, or how has the reception been from, from Enterprise?
1: Yeah, so I think, you know, clearly anybody who's trying to do a platform um, solution has a massive challenge of, you know, firstly do you have the capability to develop the technology uh, effectively, you know, um, competitively and securely? And I think over the last three, four years, after a lot of hard work, we have a team of about 250 people here at Yoti, mainly based in London. Um, we have solved most of that, you know, technical okay. uh, work. It's taken a long time, but sure. we have. Um, what what then becomes the even bigger challenge is what we call the chicken and egg, which is the network challenge. So all of the Yoti users would like hundreds and thousands of businesses to already accept Yoti. You know, sure. to do the quick two to four yeah. hour integration and accept Yotis. Of course, all the businesses quite rightly want to see lots and lots of Yotis already before they bother to do that two to four hour integration. So, you know, solving that chicken and egg is difficult. Um, We now have 3.8 million people who've installed Yotis. So last month, uh, yeah, so we we had about 300,000 people install Yotis last month. It's growing each uh, month. And in the developed world, so, you know, leading com- c- countries in the developed world for us are the US and okay. the UK. We had about yeah. 75,000 people install in the US and about yeah. 55,000 people install in the UK. In the less developed world, we had about 70,000 people develop, uh, yeah, install in India. That's our leading country there. Sure. And what's really interesting is that about two-thirds Of the people in March in the developed world who installed YOTI came through what we call organic so that really means that they came through either a business recognizing YOTI and letting somebody use it and showing that on their website or uh, through word of mouth somebody using YOTI and then telling somebody else about it or emailing them about it And then about a third of those developed world installs were us going out onto Facebook, Snapchat, um, Instagram, quite a few other places, Google, and marketing the service to people who haven't heard about it before or need to see that marketing message several times before they begin to kind of register and think, um, you know, it might make sense to get one. And as we go forward, we obviously have to, you know, persuade more businesses that we are going to be one of the the trusted identities and that they should therefore integrate. But also we just need to keep on, you know, reassuring um, individuals that, you know, you can get lots of utility with a YOTI. So one of the most important things we did early on was we created our own password manager. So okay. like a LastPass or a Dashlane mm-hmm. product so that you don't have to remember your passwords. You store them uh, securely in YOTI and then you can go to any website which accepts username and password and then basically use yoti to transfer that information to log in and that gives you instant utility before we have to go out and persuade businesses to get into into yoti Uh, but over time we need to obviously win the really big trusted anchor Kind of businesses, which would give lots more people utility and confidence, so you, you know you clearly want your big supermarkets to be sure. using yoti for age verification at the self checkout sure. you want your big classified sites and all, all of those kind of sites that people use regularly um, to prove identity or to prove age they're the ones which we need to uh, you know keep on working at winning
0: sure well, I can even see uh different festivals or concerts and stuff like that or or other events being able to save a ton of time by using something like this
1: yeah i think there's lots of sectors so i think some people have tried to develop identity solutions for particular sectors and i I kind of see that working a little bit but i don't think in the end that's what the consumer wants the consumer wants one identity, yeah. they might end up with two or three on their phone, you know, I, I suspect if Apple or Google create an identity, um, you know, people, you know, a reasonable number of people would use it. But I think they also want to have one where they think this is very private, it does yeah. what it needs to, I'm not monetizing all of my data. Uh, Or or only where I'm keen to actually share that information with a site and get a receipt for doing so to make sure, you know, I've got legal proof that I did share my info with the insurance company. But it goes across lots of sectors, whether you're on online dating or online marketplaces, health, financial services, property, tenants proving who they are, landlords proving who they are. Um, And, you know, Heathrow Airport is somebody who, you know, has looked with us and the airlines and really, really neat kind of technology that, you know, you can, I can prove who I am to an airline. They can issue a boarding pass onto my Yoti. And then I can share that boarding pass and my biometric template. So that's effectively a, uh, a kind of, you know, a map of what my facial characteristics and measurements are. But you can't read, constitute my face from it but effectively it will allow me to give that to an airport and then when I turn up on the day of the flight they can spot me with a camera right. uh, I can willingly let them do that and then they can look and go well he's a match for yeah. somebody called Robin Zooms, and they've got a boarding pass and they're meant to be flying today and that's why we're going to open the gate for them and that's why we're then going to let them on the plane at the boarding gate without doing another check. And the airline industry is gonna drive a huge amount of ID adoption over the next few years. They're all now you know, experimenting with biometric face matching. It, it means they can move many, many more people yeah. through the airport without doing lots and lots of manual
0: checks along the way. Well, and it's safer for everybody too, right?
1: Yeah, in the UK, you'll be amazed that we lose 1.4 million driving licenses and passports a year in the UK. And it's mainly because there's 65 million of us in the UK. But if you're a young person in the UK, we don't have a national identity card. And therefore, you literally find that 18-year-olds out at pubs and nightclubs have got in their back pocket in the summer their passport and it's a big old document so it's sticking out the back and some of them have had a few too many to drink and they leave the nightclub and the passports on the floor and some of those passports are handed in and you know destroyed and other ones uh, probably go to the wrong places so it's a crazy crazy system and all the young people say to us i don't want to be taking out my passport or my driving license i want to basically the only thing I really keep on me anymore is my phone and my wallet. And actually, a lot of young people now are making payments through their phones. So they want all of this to be on their phone. And I think more and more businesses are hearing the same. So uh, whether it's Yoti or other digital identities, I think the future of ID coming back to back, what's going on in the sector. Digital identity is going to be a big part of you know what happens over the next five to ten years.
0: No, I 100% agree with you. But Robin, we're coming to the end of the show. So how about we close with mentioning where people can get more information about uh, you guys and any other links you want to mention?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you can get the Yoti app, Y-O-T-I, um, at you know obviously the Android um, Play Store and the uh, Apple App Store. But you can also go to yoti.com, Y-O-T-I dot C-O-M, and also um, Twitter handle at Yoti.
0: Perfect, Robin. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time under your day to be on the show, and I look forward to keeping in touch with you and have a good rest of your day. Thanks very much for having me on the show, Kevin. Thank you. Okay, bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at buildingthefutureshow.com to join the free community,
1: sign up for our newsletter, or to sponsor the show. The music is done by Electric Mantra.
0: You can check him out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future.